This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Rant, sponsored by Devco. Politi here, Lanny, Fonseca. We're all here. And look, all right, so we're midway through camp here, further than midway through camp. We're about two-thirds of the way through camp. I got to take the gloves off. We got to come. We got to bring some heat. You guys got to get ready for the season. So I'm just going to throw this. I'm going to start by throwing this hand grenade here in the middle of the room. All right. Second scrimmage. It's the same conclusion as the first scrimmage. When a head coach says the defense is ahead of the offense, I hear something else. I hear the quarterback isn't good enough. So what can you guys tell me now? Is my conclusion about Gavin Wimsett wrong? Should fans not be concerned when they're seeing these sort of coded messages about where this offense is? Go ahead. You guys are there. You saw the entire scrimmage. You see more practice than anybody. Tell me, am I wrong? Am I wrong to be worried about Gavin Wimsett and this offense? I would say the way that the third wrinkle on Greg Schiano's forehead looked during his press conference would make me very worried about Gavin Wimsett's performance. No, I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of context here too, right? Like it's not Gavin Wimsett against the world. This is know. true. The, the offensive line is still, Greg said, it's still not settled. The the, the start, the starting five, they're still figuring out wide receiver. The defense is a more established unit, so I wouldn't read too deep into the defense is ahead of the offense because isn't the defensive head of the offense in every training camp across America at right. every level? Yep. yep, and the defense is good. Defense is very good too. Keep that in mind. That being said, I, I'm not saying that Gavin Wimsett has been a world beater, right? I, I think we have said on most pods now that it can't get much worse, right? He's not going to be worse than 44% completion percentage, I, I would assume. Um, I wouldn't expect that number to get much higher, um, but I would not put that entirely on his shoulders. And I think that it's not time to hit the panic button just yet because you can only glean so much from these scrimmages anyway. I think the big test will be Northwestern, obviously. But to answer your question, no, I, I would. I don't know if you agree with me, Pat, but I think the panic button is a little too early to, to hit that right now. 
I agree. And I want the fans to understand that what Rutgers wants to do is make Gavin Wimsett a system quarterback to understand the system, to master the system and take what Shiraka is giving him and just learn and execute that system. We know what Shiraka's system is. It's going to be ball control. It's going to be RPO. They're going to let Gavin run a little bit. I think fans can expect that. I, I think the key to Gavin Wimsett's season is going to be moving the chains on third and five. Can he make those third and five passes? Mm-hmm. And can he keep the ball moving and possess the ball? That's the key. Right. He doesn't need to complete 60, 70% of his throws. He needs to be 55, but but good enough to just keep the ball and let the defense win games. That's it. Yeah. And not throwing the ball, not throwing the ball to the other team. And by all counts, he has really cleaned up the turn. He's not making the bad decisions. He's not putting the ball on the ground. We haven't that 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 seems to be the one area that they're very confident about him playing that way. That would be a huge improvement if if Rutgers if Rutgers <laughs> needs to win the turnover battle to have a better season. Clearly, that's got to be a big part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And to your point, yes, it's been in the first scrimmage. Uh, he did not have any turnovers. It did not seem to be a big issue in the second scrimmage either. So if his accuracy is not very much improved, the be- the better alternative is that he's throwing the ball away and out of bounds or missing his target, but not throwing it to the opposing team, like you said. And to latch on to something that Pat said about uh, Gavin running, I think he flashed that part of his game early on last season, got dinged up, and wasn't really able to do that towards the latter half of the year. But he showed an ability to do that. And given that he's healthy now and given that, you know, that could be part of the offense. I think that could be an area where he could help himself even, right? So maybe his accuracy isn't up to 60, 70%, but he could use his legs to help himself in certain situations too. So um, I think, look, I don't, I don't, we've said this and it's hyperbolic. I don't think he's going to be in the running for the Heisman. I, I have to think he'll be a little bit better than last year. I think that's really fair. And I, I, I think he's just, going to take the step that a sophomore would take. I don't think he's going to be a forward. Like, I don't want to talk about the pipeline, Greg's pipeline of guys coming out the other end or developing, but I think he will take a developmental step this year and be, and be better. And the offense is better suited for him. I think with, with Gleason, with Gleason, they wanted to spread the team out and let him throw it all over the place. And that was just wrong. Then Nunzio came in and they simplified it a little bit to a run first offense. And that helped a little bit. And I think now you're going to see a lot of the RPO stuff and that really fits his game really well because he can run the ball. And as long as he makes those right decisions and right reads on the linebackers and defensive ends, he's going to have a significantly better season. All right. That's a great point. You mentioned the coaching staff and I know you had a, you had an exclusive interview with the offensive coordinator today, Pat. Very exciting. Kirk Shiraka. We will come, we will read, read all about that. Uh, and I like the fact he's made, I like the fact that Greg Shannon, an improvement access wise is making the assistance available. I talked to Marquise Watson today. It's just a, like a really good interview. It's just like a, a dynamic dude. You can tell you talk to him for five minutes and you know why recruits want to want to come to play for him. He's just, he just connects with you connect with young people. I'm doing a feature on Aaron Lewis, uh, which will come later in the week as a sneak preview. And he was great about that. Uh, so I was at practice today, two, three observations. One, and that is the first one that this staff is, he's, Greg's really comfortable. Greg Shane was really comfortable with the coaching staff. Number one, number two, there's some big dudes like Isaiah Iden. My goodness. 
I was just talking to this. I'm in a conversation with someone. I looked over my shoulder and said, holy crap. And they, there was no number. He, was, he wasn't wearing a shirt. I'm like, who is that? Like, the first time I've done that at a, at a Rutgers like at a Rutgers football practice. And I'm like, you, I'll do that at Giants. You'll do that at like you know, professional. It's just this, a dude who looks like he was reason why he was in the SEC. Uh, observation number two, there's big people. Uh, and it seemed like there's less speed on defense too. I think that's an encouraging thing. Like if you're looking, if you're sitting here and we started this podcast with worrying about the offense and, and, and understandable concerns there, you've got to be going into this season feeling pretty good about the other side of the ball. hundred percent. Yeah. And there's more depth too, which was their biggest issue last year. Why things really faded in the second half of games and why, you know, they couldn't make the big stops when they needed to, but I think defensive line is such a deep unit. Linebackers, you got all those guys, Tyreen Powell and Deion Jennings, a, a year of experience. And then with Moses Ture and uh, Mo, Moses Walker and Mo Ture back, it's going to be, you know, you got depth there too. So at all three levels of the defense, you're excited about it. And I think you're going to, you can't you can't not be excited about that. right yeah and max melton is a pro he's a pro defensive back and you keep going flip dixon expect big things from him there's a lot going on, on that side of the ball so that's the one encouraging thing all right fonseca you you this is the funny part this is going to describe your saturday so you watched the scrimmage was like what like 16 hours long from what i understand Roughly. like it start it started at 9 a.m and it ended sometime uh, from what i understand a long scrimmage i think we're allowed to say that lots Lots of work being done, which is good, mid-August. So you left the scrimmage, and you took a train to Harlem. Yes. So to give an idea of how long the scrimmage is, it started at 10. I watched mm-hmm. three hours of it. I <laughs> left because I had to catch my train. I got on a New Jersey transit train, went to New York Penn Station, got out of my train, and I got a text from Pat that says, we're still going. That's amazing. So I got to get into Manhattan, and there's still a scrimmage going. And then I lost contact when I got on the D train uh, to Harlem. I got on the D train. I met up with Rutgers basketball super fan and Knights of the Raritan uh, board member Danny Breslauer. Wow! We took the last leg of the train together. Yeah. Uh, we got to Harlem. We got to Rutgers Park at roughly three twenty, and there's a line wrapped around the block already to get in. And it's just it may- mayhem from the start. And I, a media member, obviously, so I go to the media entrance around back. They made us walk around. There's a media the entrance, though. That's good. It was That's a media good, entrance. Huh? It was right. It was all the way around back. So I had to walk around the entire park to get to the back. Yeah. It's a nice little contingent back there. This is 3.30. The doors open at 4. I was on that line till 4.45 before the line started moving. When family and friends got to get in and the VIPs got in and then the media gets in. And it's, uh, it's a whole it, – it was – a mess. It was. It was. It was. Are there are there bleachers at Rucker Park? Like their sitting area? Where was everybody? Where did everybody go to watch this thing? So, to the best of my understanding, there was a bleacher on one side that was uh, for family and friends and VIPs and people mm-hmm. who the players. There were the courtside seats on either end for the real VIPs. Quavo was there. The Harper. Quavo. Was there. Yes, Quavo was there. Uh, who famously played a concert, a private concert for Chris Ash's football team in 2017. That's why I know who Quavo is. That's like that. Nouns that name sounds familiar. There you go. He's okay. The leader of of, of Migos. Uh, yes. So he was there, and uh, the Harpers were there. So those they were on the court side here. Then there's. A, and then on, on the other side, there's the bleachers with the, the general public. I, I was Apparently, um, there were 300 people allowed in. That was the mm-hmm. limit of – so we're pretty small attendance. And uh, I met a group of Rutgers fans that got there at 3 o'clock-ish because they wanted to go in and watch the Ziegler's. They were quoted in my story. 
And they told me later that they didn't get in. They they, they got there an hour before doors open and they got cut off before they can get in. Are you in. serious? They, wow. they had to go back home. That's how tight the attendance huh. was. And that's how high the demand was to get in to watch, you know, 14 of the best high school basketball players in the country, two of which are Rutgers adjacent in that there's a commit in Ace Bailey and there's a top target in Dylan Harper. So yeah. think of that. Right. Two of the 14 players there, Rutgers fans could go out and maybe see them play at the rack yeah. in yeah. two years' time. Pretty and crazy. I love your story because it was, I guess Rutgers was the the announcer was was playing with the fans too a little bit. This could be a pre like he was dropping Rutgers all the time, which is, I mean, pretty amazing. He was loving it. He when yeah. Ron Harper Jr. walked in, he said, Ron Harper Jr.'s here, Rutgers in the house. And then yeah. when uh Ace Bailey would make a play, he would say, Rutgers got one, Rutgers stole one. And then he throws in one. If they get Harper too, it'll be nasty and all this great. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought the crowd was a bit uh, milder than I anticipated. I thought there'd be a lot of who's and ha's. And there really only was that for the occasional big dunk. And when Cooper Flag hit a yeah. game tying three at the end. and But it was it was cool. It was, it was a cool atmosphere. And the announcer really did uh, ham up the Rockers thing for sure. So I watched a lot of I watched a lot of highlights of this game. It'll, it'll just the clips, and I'm sure I'm doing what a lot of Rutgers fans are doing when they do this. Like, I don't think we have adequately expressed how freakishly good Ace Bailey is at at is at the basketball. And I I I, I get it. Like, of course, well, he's the third best player in the country, dummy. Like, we we kind of get that he's good, but I mean, Rutgers has never had a player like that. Like, forget whether whatever Dylan Harper does. It's it's like you cannot get that kid's signature on a sheet of paper fast enough. I mean, he's just take the dunks out of the equation. He pulled up for a three. There's one clip of him pulling up for a three. He looks like he looks like KD, right? I mean, it looks like Kevin Durant. It's just am I overdoing it? Now you've seen him in person. No, that's that three happened right in front of me. And it was over Cooper Flagg, who's the top player in their class. And um, he looked so smooth, dribbling the ball down the court and just pulling up for that three. And again, the caveat here is that they played a level of defense that might give Steve Pichel a corner if he was sitting courtside. So that, that that's, you know, they're having free dunks and every play was transitioned. So it's about as, as real basketball as you'll see, you know, with me and my friends at the, at the, at the park. But that being said, just watching them, Go the way Ace Bailey would go up for a dunk and his like the the rim would be below his neck. Just his how tall he is, how athletic he is, how long he is, how smooth his game is, how confident he looks. Just how well he fit in with this star-studded cast of players. And I mean, he really stood out for. I, I think I, the MC at the place said it, and I agree with him that if Cooper Flag, you know, doesn't hit that three, I probably would give Ace the MVP just because mm-hmm. of how well he played. And I think Ace suffers from a similar deal that Gavin Griffiths does because Gavin Griffiths, five years ago, signs with this program. He is seen as the savior and yeah. this the humongous recruiting win, which he <laughs> is. But then Ace Bailey comes along and commits in January. And then he's celebrated as this huge program savior the next step. And now he's getting kind of overshadowed because Dylan Harper might commit to Rutgers. So Rutgers is getting so many recruiting wins or potential recruiting wins if Harper does end up committing that they're all kind of getting lost in the shuffle. And I, I think to that end, I agree with you that what Ace Bailey could bring to this program if he signs and joins the program is 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 monumental. I mean, Rutgers might have a one and done NBA player on their on their roster in, in, in a couple of years, which is insane. Pat, what level of fear as a Rutgers as as a, a Rutgers observer, Rutgers graduate? What level of fear do you have knowing that you still got three months till that signature's on the dotted line? Is do you have any at all? It's the ultimate. Are you screwed? I mean, come on. I mean, he yeah. has he hasn't wavered at all. But I mean, are you worried? I should Rutgers fans until, until the ink hits the paper, you got to have something in the back of your mind, I would say. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do something that you guys aren't expecting. 
I'm bringing back true or false. Oh, yeah, let's go. So you're ready? Talk about again. Talk about putting you in to talk, to get you to get you ready. These are two a days, dead of summer here. Two weeks to the season. You got to get ready for some true or false. So let's do it. All right. Okay. Yeah. You ready? Yes. Okay. True or false. Number one. Calm down. Dylan Harper is coming to Rutgers. Brian, true or false? True. True. Lanny, we're gonna go false so we talk about it. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. I have. I feel pretty darn good. He's coming, so I'll say true. I look forward to that at the end. All right. True or false? The breakout player for the Scarlet Knights on offense this season will be Ian Strong. True or false? Fonseca. As a person who wrote the story about Ian Strong, I will say true. Lanny? I think it's going to be one of the transfer receivers, so false. False. There you go. Okay. Uh, I'll go false, too, just because I can. All right. True or false? The breakout player for the Scarlet Knights on defense this season will be Flip Dixon, Minnesota transfer. What we got? True or false? Brian? I'll go false. Either uh, Eric Rogers at cornerback or... Or Isaiah Aiden. Oh, well, that's a good one. Okay. Lanny? I'm going to go false and go with safety Shaquan Loyal. Wow. Okay, well, the Izzy and roll. Right. Well, he was pretty good last year, so I don't know if that counts as a breakout, but I'll give uh, it to true, you anyway. True, true, true. True or false? Rutgers Northwestern will be a sellout. Fonseca. True or false? Announced? No, oh, I knew you were going to go there. A I'll sellout. go true. True. Reality? Okay. False. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, Northwestern doesn't travel, so you're not. No one's buying tickets. Buying tickets for that crap show, Lanny. True or false? Labor Day weekends. Sunday noon. I don't know. A lot of people still down the shore. Yep. What's the biggest show in town? The Shore or Rutgers Northwestern? Mm, don't know. Don't true know. True or false? Uh, answer. I'm going to say true because uh, <laughs> I think I think it's trending that way. Yeah. Don't announce it. True. All right. True or false? New kicker. New punter. We should be more worried about special teams. Don't say it true or false. False, because you shouldn't be worried about special teams at all. If you're losing sleep over special teams, you, you're you okay. worrying a little too much. All right. What? Okay. Lanny, true what? or false? I don't know. Could be a lot of close games. I'm going to say true. Yeah. And I kid... thought Fonseca, the guy who has been Mr. Special Teams all every podcast, is... <laughs> What? <laughs> and you had an exclusive. Oh. I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt the true or false because you had an exclusive today with the new kicker. Exclusive. I saw you. I saw you talking to him. I did. It was not exclusive. There were other outlets with me, but well, I at did. At the speak- end, though, you pulled them aside. You had more to ask at the end I, of that interview. I did. I did. I yeah. did. Okay. Um, and that story will be out at some point uh, yeah. this week. Okay. But I, I think that, yes, it's going to be weird for Rutgers fans to not have Adam Korsak, who is undoubtedly the greatest punter in program history. I just cannot imagine the drop-off will be that significant. And as for kicker, as we've detailed, you know, Jude McAdamy, good leg, but did have some accuracy issues in medium range uh, kicks. So I think that it can't, much like quarterback can't be worse. And I think Jay Patel has shown that he can hit those with more frequency. So I think it'll maybe even be an upgrade at those positions. All right. Then three more, true or false. The September game that should concern the fans most, Virginia Tech. Ryan, true or false? True. Pat? True, true, true. true. Really? All right. Okay. True or false? The September game that should concern fans the most, Northwestern. Well, gosh, I said false to Virginia Tech. I'll say true to this one because it's a Big Ten game. It's the opener. They lose it. The season is 
So I'm going to say true there. No one's going to go with Temple. Fair, so I can fair. cross that one off the list. Although Temple trap game. Yeah, absolutely. Trap that, game. That's that's why it took me a little while to answer that. Yeah. I, I saw trap I saw game. the way uh, East wanna, Warner played yeah. at the end of last year. He was that's he, true. He was a stud. Mm, man. And he played well against Rutgers too in his debut. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! All right. So what do we have to go about? What did you say? You said false. Dylan Harper's coming over. Is that what you did? Listen, you guys are the insiders on Dylan Harper, so I want the I want the fans to know that point okay. blank. Right. Uh, right. But I, I wanted to talk about it because it just still blows my mind that Rutgers could be in the mix for one or two, now two and three. And um, yeah, it is. It I is. Know everything is trending positively for Rutgers, but. I, like like you said with the signing day question, there's always a doubt in the back of my mind. So that that's it. I am at the point, Brian. And tell me if I'm wrong. I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, well, let's get on with it. You know, and I get it. It's he's on his own timetable. It's August. The team was in uh, Europe and Africa, so you didn't want to do it then. I mean, I don't know. This seems like if the next couple of weeks, it seems like it'd be a good time to to get that done. I would agree if only for my own personal health so that I don't have a you know jump out of my seat every time my phone rings and I have a notification uh, thinking that that's the day. It seems like he's not wanting to announce a day for his announcement. Usually recruits let you know when it's coming. Yeah. I think he's kind of enjoying this kind of a will he, won't he kind of thing. You know, he's teased that a commitment's coming soon and he's joked around about what days he's going to do and he's got everyone kind of wondering, right? So Mm-hmm. maybe he's uh i would be surprised if he just did it out of the blue you know out of nowhere it seems like i i think that partially he didn't want to do it while Rutgers was overseas right it feels like it'd be weird timing to to do that i i would think right. that the best thing to do and this is just me saying this personally i think the best thing to do would have you know a press conference at don bosco or make an event out of it because it's a big deal especially if he is committing to Rutgers, right i think make make it what it is a, an event a big deal right. i don't know if that's what he's going to do but I think while it's natural for people to start getting nervous because, you know, you've been told that's going to happen soon and it's not happening soon. I think, uh, I don't think there's really any reason to worry. I just think that he's taking his own time with the process and maybe messing around with people who who are throwing out crystal balls and and everything. So I think, I don't think there's any reason to worry just yet. If there was a reason to get nervous, we'd be hearing, oh, Rutgers should get nervous. You know, like there'd be that, there'd be that back chatter that, grassroots i mean you know basketball is the gossipiest little place in the world i mean there are people talking about oh i don't know i'm not sure i'm not so sure and i'm not hearing that so that's the best i can tell you that 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 element is not out there at least not yet so i wouldn't uh i wouldn't worry about that one um he hasn't uh he hasn't taken any or scheduled any other visits as far as i know or anything like that so no there's been no developments other than him just not yeah, not just any updates. Obviously, yeah. a completely different scenario. But how did Ron Harper commit? Uh, it was he Harper. took a visit on a Friday, I think, and that Monday, yeah. it, it, the story goes that he went on a visit with his mom. He wanted to commit that day, and his mother, who was very sharp and is very smart about the recruiting process, told him to take a day, take two days, and he thought about it over the weekend. And by Monday, I think it was he was uh, he committed to to Rutgers. So, uh, yeah. in, in fairness, he did not have as many options as Dylan has now, so yes. it's a little bit and- different. And the world was like, why are they taking some two star from success? That, so that is true. That in mind, the, that is one true. of the ten best players in program history. It was like, oh, you know, taking that kid. So always good to remember that. Uh, wow, they've come a long way in recruiting, though. It's crazy stuff. All right, we have to talk about anything else. I think we covered the the breakout player. Who do you say the breakout player was going to be, Pat? 
uh, Shaquan Loyal would Shaquan he did right. have that huge game against Temple last year. So, yep. that, but okay. I think just because he's stepping up into Izian's role from last year, that's why like he's yeah. going to be a very impactful player. In it's life. funny, you just every time I come back to this a lot with the defense. Like every time you mention another guy, you're like, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, wow, he was pretty good. You know, there's just a bunch of guys like that, and we didn't even talk about the defensive line, right? And we didn't talk right. about Wesley and that's, Bailey. Right? When was when in the history? When was the last time? This is a good point. When you when you want to get up, when you you're going to your tailgate in, in ten days, you want to get excited about Rutgers. When was the last time you could say the defensive line is a strength of the team? Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Night's game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. <laughs> It's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. So, yeah. all right. Good job on true or false, guys. You, you guys are in midseason form. I don't care what they say about you. Those were great questions, too. So I tried. Yeah. I'm, Kudos I'm, to you, Steve. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. All right. Let's do some uh, questions from the readers, from the insiders. I'm not going to ask you. We're just going to do them. I've learned that I'm going to change the script here. Thank you, everyone, to subscribing to our tech service. It's really ramping up. So if you're not on there get on there before the season because uh that's where the good stuff happens all right we've got a couple of questions about the offensive line that how's the offensive line performed on pass protection and with one run blocking i think uh work in progress again i think it's fair to say yeah i don't know i don't know my, my assessment is it's been better uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about the offensive line because uh you know you got the three starters back and i think the competition on the right side has been has been good for them uh and what i saw on saturday i i charted only two sacks and that oh. was pretty good in, in my opinion so <laughs> for a seven hour scrimmage that's damn good only, okay first of all it was only four <laughs> it was a real game time scrimmage all right <laughs> well it was as long as a real game takes that's good well that's an improvement uh all right, let's see what other questions we've got. A lot of, I mean, we've got, we get the same Wimsit questions. Peter and Palm City, can Captain Kirk unlock Wimsit's potential and give us the best quarterback play since Nova? Give me your sense. I know, uh, like, this is such a rare opportunity to talk to the offensive coordinator, Pat. I mean, what, what was the, what was the gist of that conversation? And, and did, can you, can you give us any uh, insights before you write about it? What you, what you learned there? Kind of what I talked about earlier. <laughs> I asked him what, is the biggest piece that you're focusing on to in development. Like what's the, what's the one thing that like you really need to get Gavin to do better on, you know, is it, it and it's not as simple as just setting your feet and whatever. Right. Like he could answer, he could have said, you know, we're working on this the fundamentals. No, like his answer was very thought out. And I thought it really enlightening for the, the audience here. He said that all my quarterbacks, the successful ones, you know, you get a new system, you have to work on establishing that system and then mastering that system. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you, you got to do it on the practice field. You got to do it in, on the, in the games. Um, and I just think that 
the whole perception of Gavin's development here is that they have a system that's perfect for him and that he's really working on making the right decisions. So like the understanding the ERPOs and who to read and things like that is, mm-hmm. is what's going to make the difference. I know that was a little rambling. I hope that made a little bit of sense. No, it does. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's, that's again, like it's having the right guy in his headset and in his head. And if you, you know, if you agree that, that the last year, the offensive was too, too complicated for him. Um, then yeah, this makes, that makes a big, that makes a big deal. One thing on Gavin, I, I kind of want to you take this advantage to bring up is I, I don't know. He's in his third year. Right. And I know he's a registered sophomore. He's a lot of eligibility left, but I'm interested in how the way that college football is moving will impact his future in this, in this sense, 62% of starters in college football are expected to be transfers meaning that the leash, the time that players have to establish themselves to go from developmental players into bona fide starters is really shortening. Is this the, does Gavin have to have a good year this year to prove that his viability long-term, that he is the quarterback of the future for this program? Or is it like, if he has a rough year again, if he doesn't really take a noticeable step, is this a point where, you know, he's going to have to go somewhere else or Rutgers is going to have to go some other direction. I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on. I I think we're at the degrees of how rough. I mean, if he has the same year as he had last year, then yeah, Rutgers needs a new quarterback. And I don't know if it's the Serace kid who's going to come in in that class who Todd uh, raves about, or if it's back to the, you know, again, you're counting on another young passer. If it's back to, we've talked about it, but trying to find someone in the portal. But yeah, I think if he's bad, then definitely. And if he just makes a modest step up, well, then I, I think you have to have competition in there. Yeah, you have to have competition in that room. Totally. Um, and it's not and at that point, you're not, you know, you're no longer worried about, well, you, you know, you're going to lose the guy in the portal. Well, now you're thinking the opposite. You know, you, you have to find someone to supplement it. Pat, do you agree? I, I agree. Yeah. And I think like Rutgers plan is like, how can we how can we develop Gavin into a, a veteran that in his senior year, he is, you know, an above average quarterback in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal. And I think each step of the way he, you're going to see the game develop a little bit more. And I, I I'm, I'm being optimistic this year about Gavin, like even from what I've seen in the scrimmages, I think things are just set up for him to be successful and the offense is going to be run first and he can use his legs. And if the receivers step up, he's going to have a decent season. My, my biggest fear is not the quarterback play. It's, it's the receivers. And that was why the first question I asked in training camp was like, how are you evaluating this wide receiver room and who's going to be the guy? Because it's such a question mark. And I still think at the end of training camp, it's just as big a question mark. Wow. That is a, that's, that's, that's concerning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, since that was one they had to address in the off season and they thought they did. So uh, if they haven't, then, um, then they're, they're, they're that, that could be a big one. Just to clarify, uh, I only asked that question not as a result of what I've seen or anything like that. It's just my general feeling entering the season. Before people start reading into or saying on the podcast, I don't want to be held liable for people suddenly thinking that this is his last year, just to be clear. This is like the first question, first session that we get uh, got a question was, is Gavin happy? Is he going to – we didn't get that question. We didn't get that question anymore. Like brings yeah. it up. Brings it up. It's great. Come on. Kidding. All right. Question about running backs. What is the status of the running back? Crowded running back room from Brian Kay, who will be the top three. I mean, I think in an ideal world, if everyone is ready to go, that they would love to have lots of depth there, use a lot of players there, I would think. I mean, what are we looking, what are we looking for in the running back room? 
like you said, ideal world. I think Sam Brown is is the guy. Obviously, he showed he's the best player in that in that room and probably on the offense last year before he got hurt. I would have to think that you wouldn't want to make him a workhorse that does 25 carries a game just because you don't want to have him, you know, give, suffer another injury, another setback. Uh, but I think they have plenty of good depth behind him in common on guy and Aaron young. I think Aaron young uh, was a guy who got some praise from Shiano and his presser, right. For how he did in the scrimmage. So uh, and then you have Alshi Salam and, you know, freshman Jay Sean Benjamin, who was uh, highly ranked. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of depth in that room. Right? They've got a lot of players there. Yeah. And Aaron young, I mean, man, he, he had a, it, that was a guy that could have used last year, Pat. You, for, you forget about that. That was that was a pretty significant blow. Yeah, and what Shiano said, I thought was important too, is that he's a he's going to be used as a third down back, uh, right? Which was pretty revealing for Shiano. Uh, but uh, you know, he's he's got the pass catching ability, and he's durable. On Saturday, he had a, about a billion carries in the scrimmage. So. Um, Hopefully, it seems that he's back from that injury, whatever it was. All right, uh, we got a, we got a, we just had a bunch of questions, so I'm just kind of going through them to see what else. Uh, all right, the general question: <laughs> If and this is one that always comes up, usually when they're in a position to to uh, start talking about how many win total. But if Rutgers football has a four win season this year, how many wins does Shiano have to have in 2024 not to be on the hot seat? Love these general questions. Optimism abounding. Four wins would be, I think, certainly anything below that would be an absolute disaster this year. Uh, four is kind of like minimum. I see that this being, yeah, that would be a bad year, but not a total bloody disaster. Or would it? What do you guys think? Have you seen the 2024 schedule? I know it's being changed, but that schedule is like absolutely brutal. <laughs> they're going to change Maryland to Washington. Yeah. That's yeah. how they're going to change so, it. So it's going to be Maryland to <laughs> I don't know. Right? They're going to take off. Uh, Who do they have in there? They're going to take off Illinois. I don't even know what they have. But in, in all seriousness, uh, I think this is a team that's going to gonna be right on the cusp of, of six and six this year. I really do. Yeah. I think if it's a four win season, I don't think there's a, I, I don't think there's a hot seat in the traditional sense of Greg Shannon being on the hot seat. It's just not, it, it's just not the same as another head coach. It's just going to be different. The best way I can explain it. I mean, I, I, I talked to him today. I have a column next week about him, but I just don't know that that's going to be a conversation after this year. I just don't, I mean, you know, it's not the it's not the typical fourth year, right? Like Chris Ash's fourth year was like, all right, dude, we have no idea if you can be a football coach at this level. You got to show us something. And he was gone. He was gone by but before September was over. I mean, it was it was such a disaster. You're like, all right, well, that's not going to happen with Greg Shiano. They they know he can build this program. They've seen that before. That's the reason why they, they were so desperate to get him back. So I'm not sure what. If it's a four-win season, it's going to be a very interesting conversation, but I, I don't know what hot seat is a different term. I'm not sure that he would be on the hot seat. It's interesting, man. Wow. That's, I, agree. that's kind of, yeah. I agree with you. I don't think he'd be in danger of getting fired or anything, but I do think at some point fans are going to want something, right? Some tangible progress. Oh, or here. We're, we're at that point, I think, right? Right. That's why, that's why I, I agree. Guess. So if, if it doesn't come this year, if they only get four wins, I think people are going to want something anything you know a big home win a, a ranked win on the road they haven't had a ranked win in over a decade you know they've haven't the numbers for their home wins in the past since in the past eight years or whatever are, are, are terrible in the big 10 right they fans need something to cling on to hope right or i mean the season ticket numbers have stagnated over the last three years if they don't get something they're in danger of of, of that falling right below the 
however many diehard loyal Rutgers fans that show up to any game no matter what. But aside from those people, anyone above that is in danger of starting to say, why am I coming if I know they're going to lose every Saturday, right? So they got to show something, I think. All right. One last hoops question for you, Brian. Uh, what is the status of the four injured basketball players and their timeline? I know it's August 21st, so it's certainly not of much concern, but they expect Moat Mag to be ready for the start of the season, right? He was the big one, but what what else? So, and I, I saw this question and they said I ignored it over the weekend. I apologize. I lost it in the shuffle. You did. Um, you ignored it. We will be much better about answering questions on nj.com slash text moving forward. I promise. I So no one has any definitive uh, answer on Moat Mag. They are hopeful he is ready for the season opener. I hear is very far ahead in his rehab further than people uh, had expected when it originally happened, but they will not know for sure. Those four guys that he mentioned did not play on the overseas trip, right? Um, so Moat Mag, hopeful for the first game. They're not entirely sure. And frankly, I'm not very certain they would play him as a starter anyway, because I don't know if you want to risk you know, yeah, a guy who just had an ACL right away. I don't know if it's very smart. Emmanuel Ogbele, uh, Michael told Jerry Carino of the Asbury Park Press that he tore his ACL. Uh, that was the knee injury he had uh, that was that the program mentioned when they he signed. He tore his ACL in March, I believe. So I think it, he's unlikely to play and be ready by the season opener. Uh, that timeline, he's probably going to be ready, you know, December, January at best. So that's what I would say on Ogbele. Don't expect him early on in the season. Uh, Jeremiah Williams, he's been on the court. He has you know done drills by himself and worked out. I don't know if he'll be ready for the start of the season. It doesn't matter because I don't think he's going to get his waiver um, mm-hmm. as a two-time undergraduate transfer anyway. And Austin Williams, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, he had a knee injury that made him miss the entire last year. So that timeline sets up for him to be able to start playing by the season opener. Uh, he did not participate in the overseas trip. I don't know if that's because he just joined the program literally a day before they left and he hadn't enough time to acclimate. Uh, or or what, but I would expect him to not miss much time, if any. I, I expect him to be. But then this is not. I don't know this for a fact, but just based on what I know about when the injury happened and what it was, I would expect him to be back at the start of the season. All right, good job, guys. Good job with the questions. Thanks everyone for asking. And uh, if we missed anything, just text us back, and I apologize. All right, what else we got? Oh, what else we got? A saw a weird score to Rutgers women lose lost lost to Hofstra. Yep. Uh, Hofstra wow. is the bane of the Rutgers, Rutgers existence, apparently, um, really? over the past year. I Happened mean, before men's basketball and IT. Oh, Hofstra. I forgot about that. Hofstra. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Hofstra. Um, uh, you were the guy that called it. I don't know how you forget about that. You, you predicted it a week before it happened. I tried to put most of that end of that basketball season out of my head. But yes, that's a good point. Hofstra. Man. So what happened? You were you were there. The, the, I, I was there. Just the I, fluky soccer thing. So I attended uh, Rutgers Fan Fest before the, it. Right? Just to hang around and check things out. And there was, uh, I guess I'll talk about that for a bit. It was uh, very well attended. Um, the boardwalk was out and people wanted to go there and check it out with their kids. Nice way to spend, spend a Sunday afternoon. Lots of autographs, long line for Gavin Wimsett, as could be expected. Uh, long line for Max Melton, who was probably the most enthusiastic guy to sign autographs. Sam Brown was really? popular, Aaron Lewis. Oh yeah, Max Melton was loving it. I mean, uh, but they had to get off. I believe at 645 is when coaches started telling guys that they had to go back in and they're there's practically two guys having to drag Max Melton out because he has a line still and he's just signing every autograph, taking every picture. That's I think cool. if they let him, yeah, it was great. I think if they let him, he'd still be out there signing autographs. So I, as I told a couple guys trying to get him out, I said, it's probably better than the alternative of having to drag them out here. Having to drag them back inside is, is a good problem to have. So Max Melton was a popular guy and he liked, he liked to, uh, he gave the love back to the fans. So I figured while I was there, I'd step over to the Rutgers women's soccer game. Good crowd of people who stick the, who stuck around after the fan fest. 
uh, the soccer was not as great, kind of really a KG 0-0 game. And then uh, with three minutes left, Hofstra scores a banger from the middle of the uh, of their half, just kind of loops it really? over the, the the Rutgers goalkeeper, and uh, they lose to Hofstra. So uh, season's over. I think that's fair to say. I think they can uh, you know wrap it up and cancel the rest of the year. And uh, fi- Final Four hopes are dashed. I made that joke in the press box and everyone's classic NJ.com classic seasons over column, even for women's soccer. So That's great. Uh, at least we are equal opportunity. Uh, yes. Uh, what's the word? Pessimists here. Which sport, which fall sport across women's soccer off now that you've already ended that season, which fall sport is the one that other than football that fans should be watching like this? Oh, this team could be, is it men's soccer? Is it? I, I really like men's soccer. I think they uh, have, a chance to build on their Big Ten tournament winning year. Uh, uh-huh. Jim uh, McEldry, that's his name, not McElderry, as I've said many times. Jim, Jim McEldry. I, I apologize, Jim, if you're listening to this. Uh, I, I hear I've been getting a lot of a lot of uh, guff in, in the athletic department for constantly saying his name wrong. McEldry. I want a pat on the back for saying this correctly. And I think he has a great team coming back. I think he's added a lot, um, you know, through the portal and high school recruiting this year. I think they have a chance to, much like last year, compete for the Big Ten regular season title. Uh, so that's the team I would point to. And obviously, field hockey, Meredith Civico's teams are always competitive. Uh, so that should be another team to keep an eye on. All right, Lanny, what do you got? What are you bringing here, Dan? What are you bringing at the end? Anything? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, you skipped Fan Day? You, just, you can't even. Yeah, yeah. No, Juliet, my daughter, she's yeah. still a little too young for Fan Fest to get her face painted and stuff. That's so, good. Uh, okay. Uh, Fair enough. I was going to say the team, team to watch this fall is the football team, Steve. Ah, look at you. Come on. Stop sucking up. They've stopped listening at this point. If there's someone, there's someone in the staff still monitoring what you're saying. When I say what else is when those guys turn it off, you know, come on. Listen, no, I, I, (laughs) I'm optimistic, especially after my chat with Captain Kirk today. Like we see eye to eye, me and Shiraka. We're just, you know, two football guys going back and forth. A couple of paisans. We just go, we just, you know, it all, it all, if you could just see the vision, my vision for this football team with Captain Kirk, you would understand that they're getting, they're getting to six and six and the offense is going to be finally better. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Well, next week, I'll get a little teaser next week in the podcast, we will make our season predictions. And then I don't know if you guys noticed this. I put a fan poll out there asking if people would listen to a second podcast each week during the season where we do predictions and recap the week and people 83% of people said yes of the like the 14 people so like 12 of the 14 people who saw who voted in the poll said that's a great idea so we're going to we're going to do that starting uh, starting during the season so a lot to look forward to with the Rutgers rant I love it I love including it. me going into a studio on Friday to record a new ad for the Helix which Ooh. is the, the Devco project which will be which will be the sp- sponsor. I will explain what the Helix is in the next uh, in the next podcast. So lots to look forward to. They better give you a helmet like they gave Aaron Lewis. I need that photo shoot you want me live as soon as it happens. Yes. In the studio? I mean, it's like a padded room with a microphone. I need a helmet for that. Well, okay. I, I guess they can bring it from the Helix. Devco. Come De- on, man. Devco helmet. That's fair. All right, gents. Good job this week. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, everyone, to list- for listening. And we'll be back next week to talk some more football. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.